with us, the book of John chapter number one, John chapter number one, and you pray for us these few moments this morning that the will of God would be done, John chapter number one, and uh, I want to bring a message this morning that uh, would be about the birth of, or about the Christ of Christmas, and I know that uh, oftentimes we go to the book of Matthew, the book of Isaiah, and the book of Luke, and uh, Brother Danny did a good job covering all that this morning, and I thought to myself how the Spirit of God uh, he knows what I'm going to preach, and he knows what he's going to teach. And so many times how God will just put things together, but yet they're not the same. Amen? And uh, that's the way the Lord sets the table, and I praise God for that. John chapter number 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the good singing Thank you for the presence of God that we have felt in this place. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you might give us liberty this morning. God, give us the vocabulary that's needed. Lord, help us this morning as we look to you. We pray, God, that you will touch us. I pray that you will give us a wisdom beyond ourselves, not to glorify the flesh, but, O oh God, may you be praised this morning. I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to magnify your name. O oh God, may we see him who is invisible this morning. And Lord, may we all leave saying it's been good to be in the house of God. I pray for sinners to be saved and, Lord, for saints to be encouraged. And we will thank you and praise you for all that you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I know this is a familiar text and it's often been preached on. Not too long ago, I preached a message from this text. But I want to take a different approach this morning. And I want to preach on the subject this morning, the Christ of Christmas the Christ of Christmas. You know, when you think about the first chapter of the book of John, uh, John does a very good job at laying out uh, Jesus throughout the entire book as he talks about the life of our Savior. But he presents him uh, in a different type as we think about the other three Gospels in connection with this one this morning. But when you think about this in chapter number one, John uh, testifies about number one himself, but then he testifies most importantly about Jesus Christ. Christ. And I'm interested in what both what John had to say about himself, but more importantly, what he said about Jesus. When you think about the testimony of John concerning himself, there's much to be learned about that. In verse number 20, John makes it very clear as he says, I am not the Christ. In verse number 21, he tells them that he is not Elijah. In verse number 21, he also tells them that he is not that prophet. In verse number 23, he tells them that he 
he's just a voice that is crying in the wilderness, uh, uh, prepare ye the way and make your path straight. And so John had very little uh, to say about himself. And I think in, in Christianity, uh, we could learn from that, amen? Uh, we're not to make much of ourselves, but we're to make much of him. It was John that said, I must decrease and he must, he must increase. Uh, and before Christ uh, can ever increase in our life, we have to first decrease, amen? Uh, John was humble in his spirit. He was honest in his sermon. He was holy in his stand. He was human in his struggles. Uh, but in the end of his life, he was honored by the Savior. As Jesus said, never born of a woman was there anyone greater than John the Baptist, amen? Now that's what John had to say about himself. Uh, uh, the Bible says that John did no miracle, but he was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. And I want to say this morning, uh, uh, you and I will never do a miracle, but we can be Spirit-filled. Can I get a witness right there? And so we see what John testified concerning himself. But then what about what John has to say about Jesus? Amen? In verse number 15, he said that he was before him. In verse 27, he said that I'm not worthy to latch his shoes. In verse 29, he said that he was the Lamb of God and that he would take away the sin of the world. In verse 32, he said that he was the Spirit, that the Spirit he saw was upon him. And in verse number 34, John declared Jesus to be the Son of God. Amen? Now, when you want to think about the Christ of Christmas this morning, we have to go beyond the cradle. We have to go beyond the manger. Amen? We have to go beyond that little babe that was born in Bethlehem uh, to really see the Christ of Christmas. But you know what John does? Uh, uh, John takes us ahead uh, beyond Bethlehem's manger, but John also takes us back. Amen? And he shows us the Christ uh, uh, before the foundations of the world. And then throughout the book of John, uh, he just elevates Christ uh, uh, more and more and more. Amen? And that is, Brother Hewitt, the Christ uh, of Christmas that we serve. Amen? I'm glad that Jesus was more than a baby. Amen? When you think about the mother of Christmas, uh, my friend, uh, or the mother of his birth of uh, being Mary, and you think about the messengers talking about the shepherds uh, and the magi as they came, and Brother Danny taught uh, as they gave those gifts, uh, and you think about, my friend, the miracle, and even the manger itself. You know that manger, as it was already testified this morning, was nothing but an earthen vessel. Isn't that right? And there's nothing special about a manger within itself. Uh, when you think about a manger it's just hard uh, those mangers back then was uh, uh, just hewn out of stone uh, it was just hard uh, it was just cold uh, I mean that manger was filthy they put the slop in it for uh, for my friend the animals to eat uh, and then that manger was uh, it was empty I mean you just had to keep filling it up uh, again and again and again uh, I mean listen that's a picture of a sinner amen uh, just empty and hard and cold and never satisfied but what makes the manger so special is that the bread of life was put down in that manger amen and you know the Bible says that we have this earthen vessel a treasure that's on the inside of us there's nothing special about me and there's nothing special about you but there's something on the inside of us it's the same thing that was put in that manger it's the bread of life hallelujah this morning and my friend, the Christ of Christmas, yes. 
is what makes Christmas so special. Amen. I think about in the book of John as John magnifies Jesus in chapter 1. He tells us in verse number 1 and verse number 14 that Christ is the Word that's reproducing. Amen? It begins with the Word of God in verse number 1 and ends with the Word of God in verse number 14. In verse number 9 he talks about Christ uh, is the light that is revealing. Amen? In verse number 20 he's the Christ uh, uh, that is registering. In verse Verse number 29, Christ is the Lamb that's redeeming. In verse number 34, Christ is the Son of God that's representing. In verse number 38, Christ is the Master that is receiving sinners. In verse 49, Christ is the King that is reigning. Amen. In verse number 51, Christ is the Son of Man that is remaining. Hallelujah. And John lays Christ out to be the very Word of God, uh, to be the very light of God. Uh, he tells us in John chapter 3, he is the love of God. Uh, he said in my John 6, he's the image of God uh, and he is the breath of God. Uh, and in chapter 3, he's the begotten of God uh, and he is the son of God. Uh, he is the Lord God. Uh, he's the door. Uh, he's the shepherd. Uh, he's the good shepherd of the sheep. Uh, he's the lamb uh, of God that would take away the sin of the world. He's the love of God. Jesus Christ is the Christ of Christmas. Amen. And I think this morning what would do us good is to look beyond ourselves and look beyond the commercialism that's going on around us and to see the real reason of the season is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, then you do not know the true meaning of Christmas. Because Jesus, as it's already been said many, many times, Jesus is the greatest, he's the most wonderful name that I know, as I mentioned the other day, and he's just the same as his lovely name. The songwriter said, I see in chapter number one in our verses this morning uh, that John deals with the Christ of Christmas here. And as he talks about this Christ, he said in verse number one, in verse number two, he talks about his word. As he said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. I want to tell you the Christ of Christmas was before the beginning and the foundations of this world. Amen. Jesus had no beginning and he has no end. Amen. He doesn't live in the realm of time but he lives in the realm of eternity. Amen. For my friend, before the foundations of this world, my friend, in that godly council of Christ, my friend, he is my friend in that trinity. He was there before time was. And thank God we see his word. And then we see his world, as the Bible says in verse number three, that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. I'm gonna tell you everything in this world. Uh, Jesus Christ spoke it in existence. Amen. He made the manger that he laid in. Uh, he made the stone that he pillowed his head on. Uh, he made the cross uh, that he hung on. Uh, he built the tomb, uh, my friend, that they laid him in. Uh, my friend, he formed the mountain that he stood, uh, stood on uh, when he ascended up in the heavens. Uh, and he made the clouds uh, that he rode back to glory. Thank God. Uh, that's the Christ of Christmas. Uh, it's his word uh, and it's his world. Amen. But then I see his witness in verse number six. As the Bible said, there was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. You know, when I think about this verse, it's just one of them verses that every time you read the Bible, there are all the verses are great. But there are certain verses when you come to them, they just make you stop and think about it, don't they? And when I get to verse number six, and it said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It seemed like the Holy Spirit always put in my heart a pause right there about that verse. We know that John was a man, but he was a single man. As the Bible said, there was a man. And I'm glad that God can use individuals. Amen? You may be here and say, well, I'm not much. Well, John spent his whole life in the desert. His meat was locusts and wild honey. And the Bible said he was clothed in camel hair. And John wasn't much for the world to look upon. But even Jesus, the Bible said in Isaiah 53, that in him there was no beauty that we should desire him but John was a single individual and look at how God used John I want God to use my life don't you I want him to use it for his glory and use it for his honor everybody here that's saved this morning you ought to see yourself as an individual that God can use mightily for his cause and for his kingdom and John my see here was a simple man as the Bible does say that there was a man John was not a superman he was just a simple man. And a lot of times when we read the Bible, uh, we think about men as if they have some kind of superpowers. Uh, uh, but I want to tell you something this morning. Just like Elijah, uh, my friend, the Word of God said that he was subject to like passions as we are. And the same is true about us. Uh, uh, but God uses simple people this morning. You know, God can use everybody in this building if we'll surrender to him. If we'll allow him to use us. He'll use us in ways that we never thought he would. He's got responsibilities. He's got, he's got ministries. He's got work and labor for all of us to do this morning. Everybody here that's saved this morning, the Christ of Christmas wants to use us. And I see that John was a very simple man. He was a sent man. As the Bible said, there was a man sent from God. You know, John was on a mission. And everybody here that's saved this morning... We ought to be on the same mission. Presenting Christ, preaching the gospel, and winning the world to Jesus. Amen. That's the mission. That's the heartbeat of God this morning. And John was a sent man. John was a spiritual man. The Bible said that he wasn't just sent from anybody, but he was sent from God. And he was a significant man, as the Bible said. His name was John. You know, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. We live in a time when so many people want name and fame. But the greatest name you could ever have is to not try to make a name for yourself, but preach the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what made John great? It was the Savior that he preached. And I see his witness, but... I want you to notice for just a few minutes this morning his way. When we come to verse number 11, the Bible said he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And I want to take a few minutes this morning and I want to talk about this way. The Christ of Christmas. What makes Christ so great is his way this morning. 
To us, there are many things we can talk about His Word, we can talk about His world, we can talk about even His witnesses, but what I think stands out the most in all of our life is His way, talking about the way of salvation. You see, the reason we've gathered here on Christmas Eve is those of us that are saved this morning, the reason this day is so special and so significant is because I think we could all say this morning that we have found the way this morning. And I'm glad I've not found a way, but I have found the way this morning. I'm not, listen, I'm not sunk deep in religion. Religion won't do anything for you. I hear sinners say a lot of times, well, I don't need religion. And I'll agree with that. You don't need religion, but you need salvation. Amen. And salvation goes beyond the rituals of religion. Amen. I know there is a pure religion and undefiled before God to visit the fatherless and, to, uh, to, to, and the widows and their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from this world. But pure religion is salvation this morning, friend. And salvation produces Christianity and Christianity has life within it and Christianity does not say do, do, do but Christianity tells you what has been done and what was done at Calvary, amen and I'm glad this is the best way this is God's way this is a good way this is a glorious way I have found the way this morning and it is the Christ of Christmas, amen now what about this way this morning, His way it's not my way but it is His way this morning And in these verses of Scripture, I'll give them to you and be through this morning. In verse number 11, I see that his way was personal. Notice the Bible said in verse 11, he came unto his own. When it comes to his way this morning, Jesus did not put this way upon anyone else, for no one else could have made this way. The Bible says that he came unto his own. He didn't send. He sent a messengers to announce a messengers to announce his birth. He sent uh, prophets to preach uh, about his coming uh, and about my friend the Messiah that would come. But when the time came and was fulfilled uh, for that way to come, he didn't send Elijah. He didn't send an angel, my friend. But Jesus Christ came himself, and his way was personal. It was he that was born in Bethlehem. It was he that grew up in the temple. It was he, my friend, that lived in Nazareth. It was the very Son of God that performed the miracles and healed the leopards and they opened the eyes of the blind. It was him, my friend, that fed the five thousands. It was he that walked upon the waters. It was he that raised the dead. It was him that stood in Pilate's hall. It was him that was scourged by the Roman soldiers. It was he that wore our crown of thorns. It was him that was nailed to the cross and carried it through the streets of Jerusalem. His way was personal. So personal that for 33 and a half years, he vacated, my friend, the throne of glory and later sat his robe of glory, hallelujah, and condescended and became the incarnate Christ and became the God-man. And though he was God, yet he became man. My friend, the blood of his father, but the flesh of a woman. Jesus was bruised at Calvary and suffered and bled and died. No other lamb, could do what he could do. No other lamb, my friend, could change the economy of the Old Testament. But Jesus took this way personal, became the lamb, became the high priest, and will soon again become the king of glory when he comes back one glorious day. This way is personal to him this morning. Amen. And just as salvation is personal to Christ, the Christ of Christmas, Salvation must be personal to every one of us this morning. 
I wonder how many people in this building are truly saved. I wonder how many people are sitting here this morning and in your heart of hearts, you're born again. You know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I fear that there are many people that go to church on a regular basis that have never truly been saved. They've learned the lingo. They know how to follow the rules. And they know the order of the service. But on the inside, does the Christ of Christmas live? Is it personal to you this morning? Is it so personal that if everybody in this building quit, what would you do? If the preacher quit, if the deacons quit, if the Sunday school teacher quit, if your family was to quit, what would you do this morning? By the grace of God, I'd just find another place, wouldn't you? And if I couldn't find another place, I'd find me a place to pray and read my Bible. Amen. Is that true this morning? By the grace of God, if everybody you know quits, are you going to keep on serving God? If it's personal, you'll want to. Amen. If it's personal, you'll want to live for him. This way, his way was personal. And then I see that his way was persecuted. As the Bible said that his own received him not. Jesus came to the uh, to the lost house uh, or the lost sheep of Israel and they did not receive him. The very ones that he came to rejected him. I want to ask you a question. If you go to your very own and they don't receive you, are you still going to serve God? When you have dinner this afternoon or tomorrow, when you go and and if you if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. You can get around some folks. If they're saved, there's a connection. But if they're backslid or they're not saved, it seems like there's just a, there's just a disconnect. That you're, as hard as we try, and we should, we can't never connect. When folks are away from God or they don't know God, you may have a family member this morning that... That they're, that they're not saved and, and you'll, you'll see them during this Christmas season and, and uh, they may not receive you the way that you want them to receive you. You go into your own, but they receive you not. Jesus came to the very ones that, that he was. He walked amongst them, lived, performed miracles, did all kinds of things, helped them and healed them, but yet in the end they crucified him. Can I tell you this morning, that's the life of Christianity. Don't be surprised when you do everything that you can for your own and they crucify you. If they don't know Jesus, then there's a disconnect this morning. You see, Christianity does involve a cradle, but more so, as it's already been said, it involves the cross. The closer Jesus got to the cross, the smaller the crowd got. On the cross, the only one that ever called him Lord was a thief. And as long as Jesus was feeding people and healing people and performing miracles, the crowds thronged him. But when Jesus started talking about a cross, even his own started stepping back and saying, wait a minute, Lord. Oh, that's not what we signed up for. You see, the cross is repulsive to this world. The cross, my friend, is the embling of of suffering and shame. And the cross, the world, doesn't want anything to do with that. They don't mind the mention of God every now and then, but Christ identifies a cross. It identifies Christianity. There's a distinction when you start talking about the Christ of Calvary. That's why on a lot of signs you'll see Mary Xmas, and you'll never hear that out of the words of a real Christian. Amen. 
around. I don't see my, I used to say happy holidays or put it all in one bunch until I found out what they were doing. And now I make that distinction to say Merry Christmas. Amen. Because that's what it's about. Amen. You can take the tree and the wrapping paper and the lights and the dinners and all the festivities and do away with every bit of that. But there's something living in the heart of every Christian this morning that makes this day so special. And it is the Christ of Christmas. Amen. The world's never going to receive that. They think we're crazy, don't they? But yet they sing songs about a fat man in a red suit with reindeer living in the North Pole with elves whose name, if you turned it around, spells Satan, amen. And he goes up and down, breaking and entering in everybody's house at midnight, eating all, stealing all the food and the meal cookies, amen. And just because he leaves a present, my daddy used to say, I'm not telling my, we weren't even Christians. My daddy said, I bought the gifts, I want y'all to know it, amen. I'm not telling you some fat man in a red suit broke in and gave them to you after I spent my hard-earned money, amen. And they look at all that and they sing songs about it and they, and they put up all kinds of different festivities uh, with, and they call this man a saint and, and, and they try to teach their children to believe in it and then they look at us and say, y'all are crazy for, for carrying around a cross and, and preaching about a Christ and, and a manger saint. I'm going to tell you the world may not believe in Jesus. Uh, and listen, Santa may be a, a figma of their imagination but the Christ that we serve uh, and the Christ that we preach, uh, he as real as the person sitting next to you right now. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story. Oh, but thank God it is a story. It's the old, old story of that 2,000 years ago. He condescended and came to where we was and purchased our redemption. Amen. And he was persecuted and his way is persecuted. His way is personal. But then I'll say in verse number 12, his way is powerful. Amen. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I think we can say it's positive too. Because though there were many that persecuted, the Bible says there are some that receive him. And to them that receive him, the Bible says he gives them a gift. You say, what is that gift? The power to become the sons of God. Brother, I want to tell you something this morning. There's no definition for power. Amen. I mean, I really don't know how to, it's just a force that cannot be explained. When you put that key in the ignition and a mechanic can explain all the details of that engine and op- how it operates and the fuel that, that fuels that engine and the pistons and, and the spark plugs and everything that runs inside that engine. But I'll tell you in just plain old ordinary layman terms, all I need to know is that when I turn, when I put the key in and I turn the switch, the uh, only thing I really need to know is not the operations from the beginning to the end. I just need to feel the power. Amen? Uh, when I turn that key, uh, I just need to know there's power power that's running behind that key. I want to tell you, thank God, Jesus is the key to salvation. He's the key to the door of eternal life. And I may not be able to explain everything about salvation's its components and all that this, that it entails. For God's way is so much bigger than our ways. I can't explain everything that happens whenever a sinner gets saved. But I can tell you, when a sinner gets saved, there's power. Amen. There's wonder-working power that starts on the inside 
inside and my friend flows on the outside powerful enough it'll get a drunk off the bottle amen power enough it'll get a man off dope power enough it'll clean up a dirty harlot power enough it'll get you out of religion power enough it'll put a smile on your face and a spring in your step and a song in your heart oh that's power that changes your life forever hallelujah powerful enough this morning that it'll, un- it'll unlock every shackle of sin that has you bound. I've seen people so bound by sin. You've heard me tell it many times. But I remember the first church I pastored in Chatsworth. My daddy come every Sunday and would hear me preach. And he'd always come to the altar and he always came weeping. He's always been a tender-hearted person. He would come down the altar weeping and we would pray together, but he'd never get saved. He'd always say the same thing. He'd tell God how sorry he was. He'd say, God, I'm sorry for drinking. I don't want to drink anymore. Lord, I wish you'd help me to give this up. And you know God would. But when you get through praying, there was never no faith because he'd always look at me and he'd say, Son, I can't quit. He despised alcohol. It had ruined his life to the point that He'd taken everything good just about from him. And he said, I can't quit. He said, I don't want to drink another drop. He said, but I can't quit. I'm going to tell you about nine years ago. He walked down the aisle, a little country church, Cool Springs Baptist Church. And he fell on his knees. I remember he called me that afternoon. He said, son, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I could hear it in his voice. Can I be honest with you? A part of me didn't believe it. I said, what happened to you? He said, I got saved today. I said, are you sure you got saved? He said, I poured out all my liquor. I poured out all that. He said, I had an old 12-pack of beer. He said, I poured all 12 kids out. I still wasn't sure if he's saved. You know, I've seen him pour alcohol out before. That, that, didn't, that didn't do it for me. And I, but there's something different about it. He said, I feel so good on the inside. And he said, I, he said, I don't want any of it no more. He said, can you believe I don't want any of it? He said, I'm not craving it anymore. And I tell you, about three days went by, and I stopped by the house to see if it really was real. I said, have you drank anything? He said, son, he said, I just don't want it anymore. He said, it's not there. He said, I'm telling you, oh, the power of God, it delivers, amen. That's the Christ of Christmas. It unshackles the sin that has you bound. Hallelujah. Woo! I was pretty convinced then. Because we had a whole conversation. He didn't say one cuss word. What about that? Cussing ain't made me nervous. I've heard it all my life. I've even heard some saved people cuss. I'm sad to say that. But I tell you, if you get right with God, you'll quit cussing. Somebody say amen. I don't care how mad you get to, you won't cuss. Amen. I think every preacher ought to preach on cussing at least at least five times a year. Amen. Shame on you. Amen. And hey, you shouldn't use bywords neither. Somebody say, Amen. 
Uh, They're just some words. They're just slang terms is all they are. And they ought not be used because it's just an alternative for a cuss word. Amen. And I think that ought to be. I'm preaching on the Christ of Christmas. Amen. And you say, well, what's that got to do with the manger? Well, the Christ of Christmas will cause you to stop cussing. Amen. Uh, I'm just simply saying this morning, there's power. Amen. To clean your heart up. There's power to clean your mouth up. There's power to clean your mind up. None of us got to where we're at by ourselves. Oh, but thank God for an old rugged cross. Thank God for a man named Jesus. Oh, what a difference. When he passes by, he changes the want to. He changes the desire. He gives you something worth living for. Hallelujah. I know it's 10 after 12, but we're not having church tonight, so I'll just get it all. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll go to church like black folk today. Amen. Let's just stay till 2 o'clock. Amen. Hey, it was personal. It was powerful. Let me say this this morning. Not only was it powerful and personal and persecuted, but it was peculiar. Look what he said in verse number 12, verse number 13. Which were born, they were born, but not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, isn't that peculiar this morning? These people that received him, that received the power to become the sons of God, they were born again. But they weren't born of blood, they weren't born of flesh, and they weren't born of the will of man. That's why the world cannot understand the new birth. Because it's not about flesh and blood, and it's not about the will of man. The Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. And that's what counts, friend, the end. You know what matters most in life? Not the beginning. Not everything leading up to it. You know what matters most about life? The end. Because if you're not saved, that is the end for here. And it's forever and eternity in hell. But if you are saved, guess what about the end? It's the beginning. You know what I did in my Bible? I don't know if every Bible does this. But I know in this Bible here, and I think it's in the other Bible that I preach out of, the very last chapter, there it is. In Revelation 22, at the very last page of the Bible, Brother Ellis, it says, the end. Right next to that, I wrote, not really. (laughs) It's just the beginning. Because it's not the end for us that are saved. I'm glad that when Jesus comes, that's not the end, Brother Terry. I'm glad that when a loved one passes... It's not the end. I'm glad that when they leave this life and they cross the threshold and though we plant their body in the ground and though we may weep and we may miss them down here, hey, I got good news for you. You're going to see them again. Because it's not the end, hallelujah. It's just the beginning when we draw our last breath and we pass, my friend, and we cross over the old river of life and step on the other side. The Bible said the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. He's given us plenty of grace down here and he'll give grace on the other side. And I'm gonna tell you what he's gonna give on the other side. He's gonna give a whole lot more glory, amen? And thank God it's not the end. It's the beginning. It's a peculiar way this morning but isn't it the best way that you've ever known and I close with this his way was peculiar but verse number 14 his way was perfect the Bible says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Notice this, full of grace and truth this morning. I want to say this in closing. That when you think about this way, it's a perfect way. The four gospels covers less than 40 days of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus lived 33 and a half years. 30 years seemed like just an ordinary life and only had a three and a half, minutes, three and a half year ministry that's recorded. When you think about that this morning, you think about how perfect Jesus is. That in those 40 days that are less than 40 days that are mentioned, John said that if everything Jesus did was recorded, he said the world itself could not contain the books. Wouldn't you like to get to heaven and find out some other things Jesus did? You saw a preacher, I don't believe that's going to happen. Well, I do. I believe we'll get to heaven and we'll meet people that lived here while Jesus lived here. Their story wasn't put in the Bible, but they got a story this morning. And we'll meet people that we'll tell them our story. You know why? Because the way of God is plain and the way of God is perfect. I want to say, sinner, this morning, the best thing that will ever happen to you is for you to repent and receive Jesus as your Savior. And to us that are saved this morning, the greatest gift that can ever be given is the gift of life. Isn't that right? You see, you could take a lot of presents to the graveyard this morning and you could set them around a tombstone, but it wouldn't mean anything, would it? It'd just all be in vain. Isn't that right? You know why? Because there's no life there. It's a symbol of death. And it's the same way with lost people. You can sit around the Christmas tree tomorrow, but if you don't know Jesus, everything that you're exchanging doesn't have no eternal value to it. But if you're here this morning and you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. It's a perfect way. It's a presented way. Just as John presented the Christ of Christmas, you and I have the same responsibility to do the same. As we stand this morning, our heads are about eyes are closed. Christians are praying. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning to say, Brother Gravely, I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus this morning. And if I died this morning, I, I wouldn't go to heaven. I don't want you to embarrass me, but I want you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand? No one's looking but me and the Lord. Christians are praying for you right now. But is there somebody that would say, Brother Gravely, please pray for me. I'm not saved this morning. And if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. And I need your prayers. Is there one like that for just a moment? Just a moment. Preacher, please pray for me this morning. I wonder how many of us this morning that are saved. Maybe you need to come to this old-fashioned altar. Maybe you want to come and thank Him for the gift that's been given. Maybe you need to come and pray for a loved one. I don't know what the need is in your life, but if the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, you just be sensitive while Brother David sings. If you need to come, you come this morning.